Today is the promise. I'm going to talk about the Holy Spirit today. And we're going to see that he is the promise. To explore why the day of Pentecost holds such significance to us as his church. Let's uh, let's look to the opening lines of Acts chapter 2. So please take a second and turn to Acts chapter 2. Pentecost. Pentecost. As the name suggests, the Feast of Pentecost was always celebrated on the 50th day after the Passover festival. Pente is the Greek word for five, um, like pentatonics, because there's five of them, I guess. And then uh, the suffix uh, kost or kosta um, indicates times 10. This feast recalled and honored and celebrated God's giving of the law to Moses on Mount Sinai 50 days after the exodus from Egypt. This celebration has um, even more significance for us today. Let's read in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Notice that this passage begins with, They were all together. They were all in one accord in one place. So who's they? They refers to 120 core followers of Jesus Christ. It's the the 12 disciples and uh, 108 other people, um, uh, including uh, including Matthias among that. Uh, He was uh, the disciple that was selected and chosen to replace Judas. Something interesting about this sentence, it begins with a time and a location and an attitude. And then I love that a suddenly just makes this incredible appearance in the midst of this. The time was the Jewish feast of Pentecost. The location, the place where they gathered was an upper room in Jerusalem. And the attitude of those gathered was unity. It was oneness. It was a singleness of heart and it was a singleness of focus and it was a singleness of expectation. They were meeting together because that's what Jesus commanded them to do. In fact, you know, a, a lot of times we, we think that the last words of Jesus um, were the words go, go into all the, the world uh, and, and to preach the gospel to every nation. But in reality, the last words that Jesus gave as he was ascending were the words wait, 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 because cause the Holy Spirit's going to come. So that's what they were doing. They were out of obedience. They were waiting. So Jesus was, after he rose from the grave, he was here um, 40 days. And he, he ate with them and, and sat with them and taught with them and appeared to different people at different times and different places. And then he left and he said, wait. So for 10 days, they were gathered together. Suddenly, suddenly, in the midst 
of their belief suddenly in the midst of their hope that, that the promise that Jesus said would come, suddenly there was a tremendous noise. It sounded like a, like a gale force wind. It was a mighty rushing wind. It was a sound of a hurricane. I was recently uh, listening to a, a documentary on Katrina and the impact it had on the Superdome in, in New Orleans. And some of the sound effects, it, it brought chills to my bones of how loud it was when that hurricane hit that building. And it says a gale force, a hurricane force wind, the sound appeared. It was so loud that people throughout the city heard it. And then even more remarkably, in addition to hearing the sound, they saw tongues of fire that appeared to rest on each one of them individually. After, some, after hearing something they'd never heard and seeing something they'd never seen, these people found themselves with the power to do something they'd never done. Let's pick up back in verse five. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished saying, are not all of these who were speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us with his own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and strangers, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? As we mentioned earlier, people far beyond the walls of this upper room, they heard the sound of the wind of the Holy Spirit. And as a result, this multitude, this huge mass of people came together. Once they came together, they experienced something. They witnessed something that both amazed them and confused them. The multitude was perplexed because everyone heard them speak in his own native language. So two miracles seem to be at work here. And I want to make sure I stress both because they're huge. And we kind of, I feel like we often overlook one of them. First, 120 people begin to speak in various heavenly language, languages that they had never spoken in before, that they had never known before. That's the part that I think we, we hear. We, we understand that. But check this out. Second, thousands of people hear these individuals speaking in their own native languages. 
And, and I, I want to kind of unpack what that means. We might think that means, okay, so Bob was one of the 120. And so Bob is speaking in, you know, Cyrene. And so this Cyrenian is like, oh, that dude's over there speaking in Cyrene. That's not what it was. People from Libya heard all of them speaking in Libyan. People from Pamphylia hear the same people speaking Pamphylian. And the Romans hear the same people yet again speaking that message, proclaiming the goodness and the greatness of God in in perfect Latin. So what exactly did they hear? This diverse crowd heard the followers of Jesus speaking in our own tongues. It was, quote, speaking in our own tongues, the mighty works of God. That was a miracle. And so no wonder it was not only amazing and perplexing and astounding, but it was also a little bit confusing. And and they responded, what does this mean? Friends, on the day of Pentecost, God came down and removed language as a barrier in knowing him. For the 12 disciples of Jesus and the eight others gathered in that upper room on Pentecost Sunday, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit changed everything. Before that day, they struggled to understand scriptures. Afterward, they realized that the entire Old Testament prophetically pointed to Jesus. It it prophetically and symbolically pointed to the life and the redeeming work of our Savior. What had previously been shrouded in mystery suddenly just became crystal clear. That was through the work of the Holy Spirit. Before that day, the disciples were timid and afraid, hiding behind locked doors and fearful at every knock on the door. A young girl had intimidated big, burly, tough fisherman Peter to the point that that being intimidated by her, he swore and denied that he even knew Jesus. And after that remarkable day, The disciples, and especially we're going to see here in a minute, Peter, they personified boldness. They personified confidence. They proclaimed Jesus in public. They proclaimed Jesus in in squares, in marketplaces, in the synagogue, in homes, everywhere. But, But I really want to point out the public places that were no longer afraid of the persecution that would come in making proclamation that Jesus is the Messiah which was blasphemous to the Pharisees. That's one of the reasons they tore out their hair and tore their clothes. They're like, he's blaspheming. This Jesus claims to be the Messiah. And now the disciples are like, do what you will. But what you won't do is silence us. What you won't do is get us to shut up and talking about Jesus. That ain't going to happen. They no longer feared man. The transformation brought by the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost was nothing short of absolutely astounding. So, can we experience this today? Can we experience Pentecost today? Can we experience the Holy Spirit's power today?
for an answer, let's take a step back and look at some important words of Jesus in the previous chapter of Acts. So in Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, we read this. And while staying with them, Jesus ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. The promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Notice the word promise in Jesus' statement. The promise of the Father. Kids, this is on your worksheet. And adults, if you don't have a worksheet, I want you to hear this. The promise is not a what? The promise is a who? The promise is the person of the Holy Spirit. And, and he is a person. He has a personality. He has a soul. He has a mind and a will and emotions. The Holy Spirit is a person. And he's the promise. So keeping in mind Jesus' description of the Holy Spirit as a promise, look what happened immediately following the Holy Spirit's outpouring on Pentecost Sunday. We read in verse 12 that after the hurricane sound and the spectacle draws this huge crowd to the area of Jerusalem where the 120 are gathered, the people are all amazed and perplexed. And they ask a good question. What could this mean? What could all this mean? In response to this amazement and confusion and this question, Peter stands up and Peter brings it. He delivers the first Holy Spirit-inspired prophetic sermon ever preached. Off the cuff, Peter starts quoting Old Testament scripture that spoke of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and how his uh, how the Holy Spirit's coming would empower people to prophesy. So I think this is awesome. I really do. Because I don't think there's any reference of Peter ever quoting scripture before. I don't think there's any reference of Peter really like grasping like, like Old Testament truths before. And now we see him just bringing it out and just throwing it down, boom, and, and quoting Old Testament prophecy about the Holy Spirit and saying, see, this is what that is. This is what's now coming about. And praise God that that's one of the things that the Holy Spirit does is he guides us into all truth. He reminds us of everything that Jesus said. He reminds us of scripture. It's awesome. I want to encourage some of y'all, if you haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit, um, it's incredible in recalling scripture because the Holy Spirit, he, he just brings scripture alive to us. He reveals life contained in scripture. And I know a lot of us at times we're like, yeah, I remember that one verse, you know, it talks about your love for sure. And I, I think like leavened like or unleavened. It talks about like wheat. Um, I'm pretty sure wheat and wine. But I, I think it was ultimately like that you are good and righteous. And I think, that, yeah, like you're good and righteous. And I don't remember where it's found, but you, you can look that up. You can Google that. And as Christians, we're happy with that. We're content with that. We, 
We seem to be content with having a vague reference to something Jesus may have said instead of saying, this is a word of truth that came from the lips of Jesus, or this is a word of truth that was prophesied thousands of years, thousands upon thousands of years ago about Jesus. And there's life in it. And I need to bury it deep in my heart and then trust the Holy Spirit to bring it out, to bring life, to bring it out in response to people's questions of what could this be? What is this? What should I do? In support of Peter's preaching, the Holy Spirit does what he was specifically sent to do. He convicts hearts and he draws people to Jesus. Notice how the people listening to Peter respond in verse 20, or I'm sorry, uh, 37 of, of chapter two. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, friends, what, sh- what shall we do? The people experienced something. They knew they experienced something. And they knew it was real. They just didn't know what to do with it next. They knew that what they were in the middle of it, that moment, what they were encountering was real and tangible. And as Peter was speaking, their hearts were just cut to the core. And the Holy Spirit convicted them of sin. The Holy Spirit convinced them of their need of a savior. That's what the Holy Spirit does. That's what Jesus raved about that the Holy Spirit would do. That he would convict of sin. And that he would, you know, convince of of righteousness, that right standing with God can even be attained. And would convince of judgment that the ruler of this world has been judged and defeated. With their question, they were basically asking this. What do we need to do to have a relationship with God like you have? Friends, I'm pleading with you. Let's live our lives with such affection for the Lord and such openness so that we give him access to the fullness of our heart and our mind and our emotions and our past and our present. Let's live our lives in such a way that people ask that question, what do we need to do to have a relationship with God like you have? Now, of course, Peter was really fired up by now and he was thrilled to give this answer. Verse 38, and Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. Everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. Peter quickly outlines three simple steps. He says, number one, repent. Change your mind and let your lives be changed by Jesus. Repent of your sins. Set your eyes on the Lord and not on the direction you were going on. Repent. Then number two, he says, be water baptized. And then number three, he says, receive the Holy Spirit. Friends, if I can just encourage you right now, that word receive is a powerful word. 
receive the Holy Spirit. Open up your arms and receive the Holy Spirit. What Peter outlines here, it goes beyond two steps. It goes beyond simply receiving salvation. And he doesn't just say, hey, uh, repent and then be baptized in water. That's not what he says. He presents a roadmap for experiencing every wonderful thing that is available to those who will believe in and will follow Jesus. Notice that Peter ends his answer by referring to the promise. Just 10 days earlier, Jesus had referred to the Holy Spirit as the promise. And Peter was listening. And now Peter says this. This is amazing. And I I want us to grasp this. Peter says that the promise belongs to you. The promise belongs to your children. The promise belongs to all those who are far off, far away, in a far time. Peter's saying the Holy Spirit, this Holy Spirit right now, just exhibiting power and changing lives, this promise is not just for this moment. It's not just for this sacred day. It's not just for this celebration or this feast or this festival. It's not just for the moment. He's saying the promise is for you. And it's also for your kids. And it's also for your grandkids. And it's also for people who will answer the call to follow Jesus way into the future. And so I'm saying the promise of the Holy Spirit is for you. It is for you. The day of Pentecost wasn't just a one-time occurrence. That outpouring of the Holy Spirit wasn't just a one-time thing. The promise belongs to anyone who responds to the call of God unto salvation in any place and at any time. So in accordance with this scripture, has God called you? Yeah. Yeah, if you've given your life to Christ, yeah, he's called you and you responded to that call. Can you experience Pentecost? Are you kidding me? Of course you can. In fact, it's a promise. So I ask you this, will you receive? Will you receive? It's funny, there's times I'm in the grocery store. And I think, I think this is hilarious. Kara doesn't think it's as hilarious as me. But she'll be over there near the cart, and I will have left the cart and left my bride to go get something. Let's just call it like a, a head of cabbage. And I'll take the cabbage, and I'm like, babe. And I'll just act like I'm going to throw it. And she immediately, she's like, no, no, uh-uh, don't, don't, don't. And like, she's like, I'm not going to. And she even says, I'm not going to catch it. I am not going to catch it. If you, I'm not, don't throw that. I don't throw it as often now as I used to. But I think a lot of times we're, we're like that. And maybe we've been like that with the Holy Spirit. Now I'm not catching. I'm not catching. I'm not, I'm not receiving. But I'm asking you right now, will you receive this promise today? Will you receive this incredible promise today? Why not now? 
Why not today on this Pentecost Sunday, right there where you are? Earlier I mentioned a a time uh, and a location and an attitude for those 120 that were gathered in the upper room on that glorious day of Pentecost. And I'll say this, as far as time goes, now is the time. Now is the time. Right there where you are, whatever place you're in, whatever time of day you're listening to this message, right now is the time. Right where you are is the place. And the attitude, we receive the Holy Spirit with the same attitude that we received Christ when we first believed in Him. With faith, with humility, and with the understanding that we're in need. I'm here to tell you, we need the Holy Spirit. We're not supposed to just walk this Christian life in our own strength, uh, in our own capacity, in our own resources. We're supposed to walk with the power of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says, if you'll receive, you'll get that power. Pentecost celebrated God's giving the law to Moses on Mount Sinai. But today, Pentecost has a much bigger meaning for us. Today, we celebrate that God gave the promise, the Holy Spirit, who would empower our lives so that we could walk and grow and daily just walk out this the, the sanctification of our salvation. There's two words that we see in scripture for salvation. One is justified. The other is sanctified. Here's what justified means. Justified means you come to Jesus just as you are. Just as you are. You don't got to clean yourself up first. You don't got to you don't got to get sober first. You don't got to get holy first, whatever that, that would look like. You come to him just as you are and you call out to the name of Jesus. You say, I need you. Would would you come and change me? Justified, just like that, you are saved. And then there's another work. This word is, is sanctification, sanctified. And that means that daily we're walking out life. We have life every day. We have steps, we have days, we have hours. We walk out our life growing closer to the Lord with every step, looking more like him with every step, walking in victory. And we do this by the work of the Holy Spirit. So here's what I'm asking. If you've never received him, you've just thought, ah, he just comes along with the package. He just, you know, he's, he's part of the, you know, Trinity. I, I get them all. And, you know, we're, we're getting whatever you got to receive. Read Acts chapter 19. There were Christians there and the disciples asked them, well, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you were saved? And they're like, no, we didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. He's like, oh yeah, you got, you got to get the Holy Spirit. You got to get the Holy Spirit. They laid hands on them and, and they were baptized in the Holy Spirit and amazing things took place. Now, I'm not there where the, you could come up and I can lay hands on you or our team could lay hands on you and just we're not there. But Jesus knows that. 
The Holy Spirit knows that. He knows the time in our world we're in right now. So I'm just asking you right there where you are, if you'll just put put your hands on your body. It could be your heart. It could just, just lay your hands and say, Holy Spirit, I receive you. Holy Spirit, I receive you. I, I've trusted in Jesus and I've received salvation, but I don't know that I've fully received you. My arms have been crossed to you and I uncross them now and I just receive you and all that you have and all that you are and all of your gifts and I trust you to manifest all your fruit in my life. Just take a, take a minute and do that. Just right now, just respond to the Holy Spirit. As, as some are responding right now, I, I know that some listening, that you, you can't receive the Holy Spirit yet because you haven't received Jesus yet. You haven't declared your trust in Him. You haven't called out to Him and said, Jesus, I need you. I need you're the Savior. And I'm in need of the Savior. If that's you right now, just just call out his name. Jesus. I give you me. I give you my life. I believe. There's a lot of things I don't understand, and I still have lots of questions. But I'm gonna trust you to to bring answers through your Holy Spirit. So just respond to whatever the Lord is knocking at the door of your heart with. Lord, I thank you for every person out there listening. Lord, I thank you for every work that you are doing, Holy Spirit. Everything that you are stirring up, every person that you are pointing to Jesus, everything that you are bringing to life, every bit of revelation. Lord, we we just make this declaration. Friends, make this declaration with me that, Lord, we are teachable. Lord, we are pliable. Lord, we don't have all the answers, but we know you are. So, Lord, we're teachable. So, Holy Spirit, teach us, guide us, grow us, empower us. In Jesus' name, amen.